And hello, everyday leaders. Tonight is Thursday. It is April the 29th and second show of tonight. I am really excited. I'm on fire this week because so many amazing people are pouring into us about leadership lessons and things they are learning in their lives. And I am Melanie Ake coming to you from the Indianapolis studio. Uh, we are streaming tonight from YouTube, LinkedIn, and across a bunch of Facebook pages. So if you're joining us live, let us know where you're watching from and get ready to ask a bunch of questions because we are celebrating an amazing teacher. We have talked about COVID all year and how teachers have had to navigate and pivot and, and not only help their families, help their students, help their communities, and pouring into so many of us. And so tonight we have Andrea Bittner, and I am just really honored to have you on the show tonight, Andrea. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, your story is amazing. You're in the in the process. I just had uh, Danola Burton that is with Enhanced DNA Publishing, and she has published so many authors. And, and so I thought it was so great that you were following her because you are getting ready to release your first book. I am. Oh my gosh. So tell us for the audience that has not met you yet, um, a little bit about your journey, especially as a teacher uh, for ESL students and in, you're in Pennsylvania. So you're here kind of in the Midwest where I am in Indiana. And, uh, and so let's get to know Andrea. Sure. So I am an English as a second language teacher. Um, I've been working in this field for about 20 years. Didn't start out that way. Started out as a high school English teacher, moved into a reading specialist position from there. But when I was working as a reading specialist, I got this great opportunity to work with English language learners for part of my day. And I immediately fell in love with this population of people and families and students, etc., because I was so impressed by their resilience and their courage and their will to come to school every day, no matter what, and master a language that seemed really difficult. And so I was given an opportunity from there to go into this field as a reading specialist and as what we now call EL teacher in Pennsylvania, English language. Um, and I'm now working with those students full time. So I work with students in grades K through 12, right outside of Philadelphia, about 20 minutes south of the airport. We have students from all over the world and with lots of different situations. I have kids who were born here. I have kids who crossed the border. I have kids who were adopted. I have kids who waited for visas forever. I have kids who've been separated from their families because maybe mom and dad are setting up shop here for a little bit and then bringing their kids over later. Um, we have exchange students. So it's a really diverse population. And I think that's one of the things I enjoy about it most. Mm -hmm. So, um, so how long have you been teaching these students? These specific students out of my 20 year career, I've been working with them for at least 15 of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, but you have children of your own. I do. I have two daughters who at the ages of two and three was hilarious. They're, some of their very first questions were, and what language do you speak when they would meet new people? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love that? Kids say the darndest things, don't they? <laughs> they do. But they grew up knowing, you know, some of the families and the students who are actually um, in the book that are now in their young 30s. They were babies. They were three, four years old. So they've, they've never really known anything different. Wow. So when you think about just listening, right? So a lot of people 
that I know have our teachers and they have this journey and they say uh, people that they have taught change their lives, yeah. but they have not taken the initiative. Some of them have done certain things, you know, and they've supported kids and they've been mentors. What motivated you to do this project? Sure. So I felt like working in this field for so long, as educators, we do a really great job of talking about these students. We know their data. We know their family data. We know what languages they speak, some of their traditions, their holidays they celebrate, et cetera, et cetera. So one of the first things that motivated me to write this book was to say, wait a minute, I, I want to interrupt the thinking because no one ever asked these students or families now that you are a professional, young, bilingual person living here in the U.S., what was that like for you? What was that experience like to come to a place where you had to completely transform every aspect of who you are and adapt to a new way of life, thinking, structure, school, language, cultures, traditions, etc.? For some students in a very short window of time, because if they came as high school students, the, top, the clock is ticking for their free education to get up to speed with where we are for the elementary students for a longer period of time. But now that you are older and successful and completely bilingual and can reflect on it, please share with me what that was like for you. And so what I was able to do was go back and interview lots of different students that I've had over my career and able to formulate 12 stories within the book that really encapsulate that experience from a bird's eye view. In addition to that, one of the students that I worked with that experience motivated me to write this actually passed away. And she was uh, one of my favorite students. I worked with every member of her family. I worked with all of her uh, cousins. I worked with, really, they were more like brothers. Um, and I knew all of her uncles and her aunts and her parents, et cetera. And she was the only niece out of all of the boys. And so from the very beginning of my career up until the time a few years ago when she passed away, I had really seen the family's dynamic. And one day while she was walking after school, um, she had some headphones on and decided to cross the train tracks. And she was hit by, from behind by the Acela. And that experience really shook our ELL family um, across the county. And while our school did an amazing job of working with all of the community and the members and the families to give her the respect that she deserved, it was a very trying time for those kids and for her parents. And they really had a sense of, what's the word I'm looking for? Just a, a small sense of chaos because they weren't sure how to navigate what had happened. So the day that I was teaching they had found someone on the train tracks. They knew what had happened, but there were no bilingual people available to let the family know which member of their children had passed away. So they stood on the track for a few hours trying to make phone calls and figure out which one was it. And I think that experience that I then went through with them over the next couple of weeks as we worked through the burial and the presentations and the the support that the family needed, it, it really, when I talked earlier about, you know, sometimes heartbreak deserves recognition and it helps you to write that experience of watching my students go through that and, and helping that family had me write a small poem. And at the time it was called Take Me Home. And it was my way of delivering respect to them. And from there, I tucked it away. 
you know, we moved on and we are still in contact with all those families today. And a couple years later, I thought, you know what, let me throw this poem out into the world and see. Maybe someone out there, it would be helpful to them. And lo and behold, I got a response back from a publishing company who said, you know what, we really love your poem, but we think you can do more. We think that you should write a book. And I thought, okay. And they said, so we're going to give you six months and you want to come back with some ideas. And I thought, well, I don't just want to tell her story. I want to tell all of their stories because they are such a diverse group of people who deserve to have their stories told. And so all of that together wove into this book called Take Me Home, where it highlights all of those journeys. And I was even able to go back and meet with my student who passed away's parents and hear about her journey and how she came to the U.S. And that's woven into the story as well. Wow. Yeah. This is going to change your lives. That's what I really hope so. I, you know, I really want people when they meet someone learning English, instead of saying, I want English right now, because in Philadelphia, I feel like we live in the fastest speaking, most impatient part of the country. And I love us, but I do feel like for someone new coming here, learning the language, it's very trying. And I hope that people meet someone, whether it's an adult or a child, and they notice that they're learning English, instead of saying, I want English right now, we flip that script and they're saying, you're learning English? Wow. And to start to think of it as more of an asset than a handicap. So, so how do you teach somebody? Okay, that's a great question. Right, when you go back to the beginning, how do you even start? So... Just like people train for different fields, if you train to be a math teacher or a history teacher or a music teacher, you're you're trained with that lens of strategies and practices of this is how you teach someone to learn to speak, read, write, and listen to English. So you've got those four areas, reading, writing, listening, and speaking. You learn what questions to ask. You learn what tests to give. You learn how to find a proficiency level. You learn how to work with families. You learn how to support the content area teachers. So you go through that training. Um, I went through a two-year education training um, to get that certification. Um, And from there, you start to put it into practice. And just like anything, you find what works and you find what doesn't and you tweak it in between and you, you learn and you grow. Um, but yes, you do. You can be formally trained to be an EL teacher. Wow. So you say it took two years for you. Yes. Um, from when you knew that you wanted to do that. And so um, do you think that you, um, I guess to put it the right way, you know, were there other things that you were thinking about, like maybe this will take too long or um, should I, should I really commit to this? Because that's a long time, right? It's a long time to learn something different. And if you are a teacher, you're like, I want to make an impact now. You know, I see a lot of people go through that. So how did you kind of come to that crossroads and say, I am going to commit to this. I know that this is the right path. I think for me, recognizing the dedication and resilience and courage and motivation of these kids and these families helped me realize that I get to go to school every day and work with them. It's not that I have to go, I get to go. And if they can wake up every day and walk through that door with such light in their eyes and such hope for the future and such a dependency from their families to be that game changer who, you know, ups the ante so that they can have this better life here in America, it really motivated me to to want to learn how to best teach them. 
And I think that's the one awesome thing about teachers is that we're always willing to learn something new. And when we find our why, which is there are the reasons of my why as to why I want to do it, the rest becomes easy. Because you, whenever you have that moment where you're like, oh, I'm in school again, it's, it's, this is why I want to do this and our kids deserve it. Oh gosh, I love that. You know, but here it is servant leadership, right? Because there are people that kind of, um, when I say this, I don't mean to come across crass, but teaching used to be one of those, hey, do it because you need a second income. It pays the grocery bills and you can have summers off. And, and so I look at thinking about what teaching has become. It is so different. It is about servant leadership. It is about pouring in. It is about mentoring. It is about, you know, really, um, taking everything that you have every day on your journey to help you learn and become right. A better person. And, uh, and I think that's, what's so significant about just teachers in the world and, um, and we have to celebrate everything that you've gone through in this last year. I mean, yeah, we can all say as business owners and, and entrepreneurs, right, we can get on the computer and we can learn. And even if we have families at home that we have to, you know, tend to, um, we didn't have to do that as a full-time job to try to course numbers of people on the other side of the computer. <laughs> yes, yes. I want to know, how did you really pivot when that happened March 13th, you know, in 2020. Uh, That's really crazy to think that it's been that long ago. But what was the first things that you did to change the environment to make that successful for the kids that you were teaching? Do you know about the Y Institute? The Y Institute was founded by Gary Sanchez and inspired by Simon Sinek. Hi, I'm Melanie Ake, founder of Everyday Leaders Professional Coaching and Consulting and as the first certified associate agent in the United States with the Y Institute. Now, Everyday Leaders can help you discover your why. Go to everydayleaders.com and take your why assessment today. Discovering your why is the essential first step of being an everyday leader. Everyday leaders know their why and live their why. Discover your why. Find out more at everydayleaders.com. That's everydayleaders.com. So I think you're absolutely right when you say pivot, because I remember March 13th vividly. We were in a professional development on a Friday, and then we just never went back. (laughs) But, um, you know, I think what's been really meaningful for teachers and what we recognize very quickly is as we had to pivot, in my eyes, we became just like English language learners. We went through what I like to call the technology language learning experience. All of a sudden, our, our entire expectation and structure was just like you said, flipped upside down, not only for ourselves, but for our kids and families too. So we all of a sudden had to learn a new structure. We had to learn new building, new times. We had to learn this new language of Google Classroom and Screencastify and Canvas and cami and I can just keep going, but all of a sudden all these things were being thrown at us and we had to understand it really quickly because we had these little eyes and ears that were depending on us. And so we had to be that calm in the storm no matter what. And I'm so proud of our education family across the country because we now have that commonality that we've all experienced this technology language learning together, no matter what school you teach in. 
And so I think that we had to quickly be compassionate, not only with ourselves, but with the families in our community. And we do what teachers do. We sprung into action. We relied on our peers. We looked for our supports. I mean, as we went through the spring and readjusted, which is what English language learners do when they come here, you know, they've got to meet new people. They've got to find a new place to live. Or maybe if they're born here, they come into school the first day. They've got to adjust to that new language. Um, they've got to go at a rate of others' expectations because we had deadlines to start to see our kids every single day again on Zoom. Um, so we did a great job and just as well as the, our families in adjusting to that. And I think that shock kind of wore off as we headed through the spring and adjusted in the summer. And it kind of opened up some space in the fall. And it was like, okay, I have my footing now, just like an English language learner would. I, I know what to expect. Everything's not exactly the same. But now I can start to grow technology-wise in more areas to provide the best education possible for our kids. Mm -hmm. And at the root of everything, because you have to invest in the root to get the fruit, that's what we always say, we had to look back on our roots and our roots are our camaraderie and our, our support for each other and our knowledge of what we know and using all of that together as a team to provide an environment for our kids that is effective. I think we did a great job. Yeah, I think you did a great job. I, um, it's an understatement, right? Thank you. We talk about the challenges that some of the kids had, right? Some of the families that maybe had one device and yes. so they had to have multiple um, sessions on Zoom and they only had limited technology or they didn't have internet um, available in certain areas. Did you have to have any challenges um, with those types of uh, situations? Absolutely. Um, you know, all of a sudden it became really hard to find some of our kids. We, you know, we weren't sure if they were logged on. Uh, did they know how to use devices? Uh, our technology teams, they're, they're valuable on a normal day. They became inevitably um, invaluable. We, we needed, I mean, the, the amount of tickets that I'm sure that went in across the country to the tech teams is probably unreal if they tallied them all. But yes, um, the kids had a lot of issues with getting on, logging on. They had to learn this new language of Google Classroom, et cetera, et cetera. Um, some of them didn't have internet opportunities. So we were trying to deliver hotspots to them. So our tech team and our directors were out driving around trying to get things to families. Sometimes our tech teams had to go to the home and help the families log on. We were working with local internet companies to try and lower the cost so that they could have access and so that question of access became really important. And so we did everything that we could to go under the leadership of our tech teams, again, to work together to find our kids. Mm -hmm. And so finally, when they would come on consistently, sometimes that was just the celebration in itself. You're here, you know? <laughs> so we were, uh, we were happy to do that and work with our tech teams to really tackle that job. Well, and I think, you know, technology is one thing. And then you look at a lot of families, right? Um, just just because you're coming to school as uh, a middle schooler or a high schooler, your family life could look a lot different uh, for everybody. So uh, kids that were having grandparents, right, raise them, and then they were kind of a generation out of the technology. So having to have that home life and really focus in on how to help the kids learn and how to get them trained and, and accountable, right? To Absolutely. do the right things. So we were on the phone with people at, late at night trying to describe exactly what you're saying. Push this button, then go here, et cetera, et cetera. 
I think it's really changed our entire world because, you know, one thing about COVID is it didn't leave anybody behind. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So what do you think are the strengths that came out of this? If we had to look back at the last year, you know, now that we've bonded, we have a little bit more patience, a little bit more grace. What do you see as your community um, in uh, as far as your classroom um, behavior when we go back to kind of what looks like a new normal, uh, what do you think the lessons learned that you guys are going to take forward? Well, as our friendship baker says, I really think we took on growing through our go through, right? So we, I think that our team of teachers really learned to rely on each other more than ever. Um, I think that some of our strengths include opening our mind to the idea of technology. You know, there was no before. COVID hit, we used technology, but now it really opened our ideas. We were able to collaborate with more people across the country. We were able to have access to kids if maybe they had other reasons why they needed to be home. You know, we can now Zoom them in or we can meet with parents on a more regular basis that might not be able to make it into the building. So, or for maybe some families, um, ELL families that need translators, we can put a translator onto this call, such as ourselves as a third person, not just on the phone. Um, with the technology in the classroom, you know, kids have the ability now to save their work in a way they never could before and collaborate with peers now that they've mastered Google Classroom. We have that opportunity. Um, I think that as kids, wow. I mean, we have to thank the kids. They come to school every single day with a smile on their face. We know it's there. It's masked up, but we can see it in the eyes. And they are willing to do whatever we ask. If we say you can demask for these 10 minutes to eat today, great. If we say you have to stay in your classroom and your teachers will rotate today, okay, perfect. If we said you have to take a week off because our numbers are too high this week, so we're going to switch back to virtual, the adaptation skills I don't think should go unnoticed. Um, and I think that we'll emerge from it with our students as more adaptable than we were before and ready to just take on whatever comes next. Wow. I would love for you to do a book about this, like following the students through, you know, now COVID, past COVID in five or six or 10 years, right, to be able to follow them and see how that really changed the dynamics from the kids pre-COVID, um, because I think you're right. Adaptability is one of those strong words that you say, if you learned it because you had something traumatic happen, we were talking about this before, mm -hmm. you know, a book is something that you have been motivated by because you've had an event occur or you have something that's on your heart. And I think the kids really don't understand that they went through something that was so powerful, but yeah. it will change them from the dynamics of, the individuals that they may end up in work cultures with. And, and so, you know, them being a little bit more flexible is probably going to be a huge advantage for them uh, as they start to create this next generation. Um, yes, I agree. And I think resilience, you know, they'll, they'll have that understanding of my whole life changed in an instant. And I was able to get up every day and go in even when I really didn't want to or log on, um, et cetera. So I think they'll be extremely resilient to handle things unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Uh, I just, I thank you for everything that you are doing, Andrea, because uh, without you and people like you in our world, 
uh, it, it could have looked a lot different. And so you, you had a choice, but you made the right choice to continue to invest in yourself and your students and, and make sure that it was going to be a safe place. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So how can people, uh, I know your book is not out yet, but how can people connect to you to um, get notified when your book does come out and, uh, and then order it, right? Sure. Um, so um, I am on Instagram. It's at Andrea Bittner Books and also on Twitter at Bittner Andrea. So they're probably the two best places to follow our journey. We are looking forward to releasing Take Me Home probably in the early spring, which is just finishing up the process now or mid-summer. And it is going to really take you on the journey of these 12 amazing young bilingual people who went through triumphs and tragedies and tribulations. And they have wonderful names. Their names have been changed. Uh, Their names are more names like grit and fuel and evidence and chance and plunge and navigate surge, volt, and charge. And I was able to cover every continent almost throughout the world and bring all of their stories together to revolve around some things they have in common. So when you walk away from it, I hope that you enjoy taking that journey with them and seeing that when you meet someone who is learning this language or moving to this wonderful country or born here, that you look at them as such an asset and never treat the fact that they're learning something new as a handicap. So they are probably the two best places to reach out to me, connect with me. I would love to meet people from all over the country and hear your stories as well and just share this message for our kids. I call them kids, but now they're in their 30s um, because they deserve it. They deserve it. They absolutely do deserve it. And we're so proud of you. You know, this takes a lot of courage to just say, I'm going to step into writing a story. I'm going to step into writing a poem and then putting it out there because there's a lot of fear, right? You, you're a teacher, and so you want to make sure that it's safe and uh, that you're speaking uh, the right way and that you're celebrating people because it, it really did affect you. And I think what's important tonight is we're talking about books and authors and just people that are willing to step out and make a difference. And I celebrate you tonight, Andrea, because you have absolutely done that in your life, in your personal life. And then in your professional life to just pour into people to make sure that, you know, they can get through anything, that resilience, they can get through anything and make a difference themselves. They absolutely can. And when you, they surround themselves with a support system, like we do all the time, and they create those dreams and they write them down and they take steps and they take action. That's an important piece and come back and tweak it along the way and get up from those failures and continue to work on those dreams, they do come true. They do come true. Uh, Andrea, will you come back and join us when you uh, have the book released and, um, and keep us updated on what's happening? If you have promotions, we would love to help you uh, absolutely get this word out and promote this and, uh, and have you back just to share your journey. Thank you so much. I would love to. Thank you. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you for spending time with us tonight. Um, Best of luck to you. Keep on pouring into our youth. We really, um, we just appreciate you so much. And all the teachers out there, we appreciate everything that you've done for our communities. Fantastic. I will. Thank you. This has been a Joe Studios production.